You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome in to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin are here. Manny Hill as well. He's got his list of eight or nine things. We've got lots to get to. Lots of off-season things to talk about with the Vikings. You are fresh back from the NFL Combine. I wouldn't say fresh. I'm, I'm no, pretty exhausted, exhausted from, from last the week, NFL Combine. But I'm back. And now it is rumor season. And, oh. We have some breaking news that pertains to offensive linemen right now, this moment. Mike Garofalo tweets out that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their left tackle Donovan Smith have agreed to a $41 million contract with $27 million guaranteed. Stay in Tampa. Another offensive lineman off the board already. So we've already had Mark Lewinsky, who was broke during the show. Yeah, that's right. And Mike Person who was another potential offensive lineman the Vikings could have gone after, and now a left tackle, one of the top uh, maybe two or three left tackles on the board. So now the already, before we get to free agency, the amount of players on the market shrinking. From a very small, not-so-appealing free agent offensive lineman group to begin with. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, rumor season starts at the Combine. All of the... Rumors about who's going where, what players are going to get paid. I mean, look at how it was for us last year with Kirk Cousins. I mm-hmm. mean, that was the place to be if you wanted to find out, okay, how much are the Jets in play, how much are the Vikings in play. And yeah, this year it's a little quieter, which you know, for someone covering the team is never a bad thing. But that's where the rumors circulate. That's where they start. We've got, what day is it? Today's the fifth, so we have eight days until the start of the new league year. There's going to be a lot from now till then that you're going to have to sort through to figure out, okay, what's what's fact, what's fiction. Um, and I think with the Vikings, the names that are going to come up here for the offensive line, if we ever hear any, because we really haven't heard anything tangible just yet. I think the only rumor that came out of the combine that doesn't have many legs right now is the Trey Wayne's potential yeah. of him being traded. Yep. Um, and it's been relatively quiet, which, you know, Quiet is not necessarily a good thing uh, for a team that you know is under six six million in the cap right now. I think they're just above five, to be quite honest. Uh, going into you know the day of the franchise tag window closing, so there's a lot to get to. So well, there's so many things that are sort of swimming around my head for Vikings topics that we could potentially talk about, but maybe uh, because this just happened, we'll stay with the offensive line for a minute here. Mm-hmm. So there's a report that the Jets are very interested in Roger Saffold, who is the top left guard on the free agent market. And if the Jets want Roger Saffold, he will be with the Jets. Because they have because, a lot of money. Exactly. They have, because they, have they just have $100 million in cap space <laughs> to buy whatever offensive linemen the Jets want to buy. And this is where the situation gets very, very tricky and... Even though there are great players projected to be there at 18, 
I keep feeling more and more like it's going to have to be a safe offensive lineman pick because I don't know how else they're solving these problems with everyone keeping their offensive lineman or being able to outbid the Vikings. The way the guard market, let's just let's just start with the guard market. The way that that's going to pan out is going to determine what they do at 18, in my opinion, because all of the stuff that we've heard coming out of last week and even before then about who would be projected to go at that position because that's not a top 10 pick. That's not somebody that you can automatically snap your fingers and expect will be a plug-and-play starter and somebody who can make an immediate impact. But as that guard market either thins out to the point where guys are staying with their teams, getting repaid once the new league year starts, or going elsewhere, the Vikings are going to have no choice but to go all in on offensive linemen right away because you you can't afford to wait to the second round at that point. The way things are shaping up, it almost would even feel like trading back and trying to get as many offensive linemen in the draft as they possibly could if they can't land any of these top targets. There will still be several players who are starters, but how they fit, I'm not sure. Matt Paradis, the center for mm-hmm. the Denver Broncos, but that would mean paying him a lot of money and moving 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 Do you really want to do that? And also, uh, where is some of the space coming from? And it seems that teams are better at spotting these under-the-radar scheme-fit types of guys or better at keeping them when they work out, like Mike Person did in San Francisco or Mark Glowinski in Indianapolis. So now it's kind of down to them either paying someone through the nose, which then they have to create the rest of the cap space, or just trying to draft people and plug them in. There's also the option to bring back Nick Easton. Which I do think they will do. I think they will too. I, I do think I mean I think we got good good confirmation of that really through the lines with Mike Zimmer. They like what they have in him. He's difficult for defensive linemen to go against. He makes that second level interior push happen. Um I do think that at least they've got one spot short up, and, and he's been cleared. That's what Mike Zimmer confirmed to us, not as far as you know the details of what his neck injury uh, is going to either, like you know when he'll be back. If, we don't know if he'll be back for OTAs mm-hmm. or when for camp, but he did say he was cleared medically, so that's a good sign. So you're really then working with one other spot, I think, which if you're the Vikings, that's probably really good news for you, um, that you'd just be looking at that right guard spot to shore that up somehow, and I think you could do that via the draft. They could do that in the first round, possibly. They could also try to draft a tackle, move Brian O'Neill to the left side and Riley Reef inside. And we're going to talk about all these different options with Brandon Thorne. Yes, who, I'm excited to get his yes. take on that <clears throat> and Jonah Your first Williams time talking with Brandon, yes, right? Very, yeah. But I've always listened to him on the show. I think he's been great. And he so, uh, does the Trench Warfare podcast where he interviews offensive linemen, and his last one was with uh, Taron Armstead. So, like, He's always talking to these guys and analyzing their games, and uh, he is the most knowledgeable offensive line analyst that I know. Not that there are millions, but he's really good at it. So we'll talk to him in about 15 minutes. Uh, Let me just run through some of these other things with you. Yesterday we had Doogie on, and he said that he thinks it's very possible that they trade Everson Griffin and that his sources have told him that Kyle Rudolph does not want to restructure his contract. I think that that leaves the door open for both of those guys being traded. I actually have the sound of that. If wow. Yeah, I'd, I'd love, love to hear it because I, I saw it. it as I was driving. We don't know what the future holds for Kyle Rudolph. I can just tell you, this is beyond reckless speculation, right? Mackie and Judd love reckless speculation. This isn't fact. It's somewhere in between. But I can just tell you, Kyle Rudolph is not restructuring his contract. He's just not. 
Now, if he eventually does, that means he's had a change of heart. He does like it here. There's no doubt about that. But I'm just telling you, he doesn't have an interest in restructuring. Now, there's no dead money there. So if the Vikings want, they can outright release Kyle Rudolph. But if you do that, who is his replacement? So I'm just telling you, there's some moving parts there. I actually think, and I ran this by an agent I know really well, he's convinced that Kyle better take a pay reduction because if he hits the open market, he's not getting what he thinks he'll get. That he's better off taking the pay cut here, restructuring, staying with the Vikings. Usually now, the Vikings the take front, care of people on those too. They like do. They get more cash or just as much. Correct. Now on the trade front, I think Everson Griffin's getting traded. I do. I think that's legitimate steam that is coming out of the combine from Indianapolis. I heard the Raiders are interested. There's some other teams interested. I think there's enough of a trade market there where they can save a lot of money. They have a logical replacement in Weatherly. The defense didn't fail miserably in all those games that Griffin missed Yeah, yeah. last year. So I'm just saying if I had to bet, if you said bet on one guy to get traded, I think it would be that guy. Now, I'll also tell you, though, from a prominent agent who met with the Vikings over the weekend, this agent is led to believe that the Vikings are open-minded to trading a lot of guys. Now, who are they married to? They're married to Harrison Smith. He's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Adam Thielen. Right. Daniil Hunter. Of course. Stephon Diggs to some degree. And Kirk Cousins because of the contract. We can get the Cousins, by the way, in a sec if you want. Because I actually get the sense that if they could make a change there, there would be some interest. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Let's okay. unpack that. One at, one at a time. Rudolph first. Start with Rudolph. What he, do you think happens with him? Everything that Doogie was saying, I've been hearing the exact same thing. It's all accurate. Rudolph does not want to restructure right now. Could he have a change of heart? Sure. And I think you have to look at all the ancillary stuff around him, his impact on this community. He's already rooted here. He stays here. He can make a ton of money after he retires. He's been here his entire career. And truth be told, you know, he feels like he has the leverage right now. They don't really have anybody else who who could just come in and assume that role that he's played, but... The last two years, he's had 121 catches for just over 1,100 yards. Like, there's not, you know, from the Vikings standpoint of that, you have a $7.6 million cap hit, and the production you've had the last two years, some of it is not his fault. We get it. He was asked to block a lot in max protection schemes from John Filippo, But the stats don't lie. That's just what this was the last few years. His role is what, he, what it is. He's going to be 31 years old. There's 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 the option for a restructure that's on the table that I think will still they're going to be chipping away at that they're going to be trying to get that to happen the next few weeks or leading up into the you know the start of the league year so do I think Rudolph's here I don't I I, I hear what Doogie's saying and I hear what other people are saying that like they would be willing just to kind of wash their hands of it because they have to in my brain I just can't see him not being here and I can't see him going to another team and getting that high of a salary not a chance. I've always looked at Kyle Rudolph like a good friend who sometimes blows you off when you have plans or sometimes <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard you use this analogy before. leaves his stuff at your apartment or doesn't get it for like, you know, six weeks. Says something inappropriate in front of your wife. Like he he's, <laughs> he's not the perfect friend. Not, I'm not saying Kyle Rudolph says inappropriate things. I'm saying that like there's yeah. this comparison of he's not perfect. He's not a great blocker. We know that. He is not a vertical threat, but he's a great friend. Like he's always there for Reliable. you when you really need him. He's good in the red zone. He catches everything that comes his way. I think he had one drop over the last yeah. two years, or he, maybe he two doesn't drops. have yards after the catch. But I mean, he still catches the ball. But. If they called up Jared Cook, who's a free agent, who they were interested in last mm-hmm. year, 
And he said, I'll sign there for that same money. Jared Cook is a more dynamic tight end. Or if they feel like they can draft either Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson at the uh, 18th overall pick, that's probably a better, more talented tight end than Kyle Rudolph right now. I agree. It's it's more of a guy who fits what teams are looking for. The George Kittle, the Travis Kelsey, not even just necessarily Gronkowski because he's kind of a freak and an all-timer, but just someone who can, even the Dallas Goddard, mm-hmm. make plays down the field. That's not something that Kyle Rudolph can necessarily no, it's do. Your, it's your third weapon for Kirk, and you need more of those, as we've discussed, ad nauseum. That and, It's just another one, and I just don't know, you know, if they can draft... The, a number two. If they can go get a number two and they can convince him to restructure all as well. But it doesn't seem, you know, just for everything that I'm hearing, I mean, the negotiations are not, they're not in a good spot right now. And and that's why I think that uh, maybe the best option still is to just leave him be and draft one of the tight ends. Even if it's not the top two, Irv Smith will probably be yeah. a second rounder. There's a couple other guys who are intriguing, but draft one higher than the fifth round this time. If you keep thinking you're going to find one of these guys in the fifth round, it's probably not really I said that happen. to Rami yesterday. I was like, stop going the fourth and fifth round for right. the Bucky Hodges of the world and um, Tyler Conklin, and, and I'm sure there's others. Michael could, Pruitt. Michael Pruitt. Um, to the Everson thing. What Doogie's saying, I mean, I know he's got good sources and he he obviously talks to people. I spoke with someone incredibly close to the situation over the weekend. Um, Just about what what Everson's facing, what the defensive line situation could look like. Here's something I think you need to consider with Everson Griffin. He has seen what this looks like before when you want to go chase the money, and especially now as he's getting up there in age past the 30 mark. I mean, he's already had two big paydays. Let's, Let's put that into perspective. Um, he's seen what happened with Jared Allen. He's seen what happened with Brian Robeson. You see like the good and the bad side of that, of guys who are willing to understand, Hey, I might have like one more year at the production level that I was at in 2017. If maybe he's even get able to get somewhere in that range of double digit sack numbers, but you start to realize, okay, writing's on the wall. Eventually I'm going to move into that situational role. Like just like Robeson did. Um, and the team's going to take care of me. This is, you know, because if you go chase the money at his age right now and you don't perform, you're out after the first year and your NFL career is probably over. So I could see, well, while what I'm hearing right now is that, you know, a restructure con- conversation is not exactly going, kind of going the same way with Everson Griffin's representation as yep. it is with Kyle Rudolph, that I think the voices and, and the people in that situation who can, can talk to him and, and can relay that to him will probably get, you know, they could. They probably have a better chance of winning out that argument than Everson being like, you know, it's off the table. I'm leaving. I kind of think the best option for both sides is to trade Everson Griffin. He has value mm-hmm. still. He uh, can be afforded by a number of different teams. Oakland is the one that Dookie brought up. Well, they've got lots of cap space, and they need pass rushers if they want to make any noise uh, next year because clearly they couldn't afford to keep. Khalil Mack and had they to had trade like him away. They had like 13 sacks last year as yes. a team. Yeah, so they need somebody who is a pass rusher. If he wants to keep the contract that he's on now, he mm-hmm. needs to do it somewhere else because this team simply cannot afford him. And maybe a change of scenery, especially going back to California, might help him overall. Uh, so I, I kind of look at it as the Vikings are ready to turn things over maybe to Steven Weatherly or the two guys who are at the top of the draft for defensive ends, Brian Burns and Montez Sweat, mm-hmm. are freaks. They dominated the NFL Combine in the same way that Everson did years ago. 
it might be better for both sides if that's the approach that they take. I know that they want to keep him here. It's not that they're ready to part ways and that they, you know, want a fresh start with ever, you know, with Everson Griffin. It wasn't the production, you know, six and a half sacks, whatever, you know, going back to like, you know, where, that was the, his least number of sacks that he had since he was a situational pass rusher five, six years ago. So there is an effort, concerted effort to keep him here. Coaching staff loves him. He he is, you know, he and Andre Patterson are incredibly close. Yep. If you know Patterson has been there with him his entire career and made him into who he is now, um, I think that you can still work with this. But if you can get good value as far as draft picks to add to your draft capital and be able to go after guys in you know higher rounds like a Montez Sweat and still have your first round pick at eighteen to potentially use on something else. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. And I think that the price for Everson probably is not a first-round pick. I'm not sure, but is it a second? I mean, is it something where you can get an impact player pretty quick, even if it isn't a first-round pick? And Oakland has a couple of them. Uh, So I I think his value is still high, even Mm -hmm. if he's coming off a year that was not perfect for him. It's still Everson Griffin, and he has a long history of success rushing the passer. And this is the situation that the Vikings have put themselves in with the quarterback contract is you have to make tough decisions like this because all of these players, they would prefer to have, you'd prefer to have a tight end who catches everything. You'd prefer to have a proven pass rusher, but now they've got to make really tough choices. Uh, So if you, if you want to chime in in the conversation, six, five, one, six, four, six, eight, two, five, five, we will discuss the situation with Josh Rosen and whether the Vikings should be in on him. Um, but next, we will talk to our offensive line expert, the Trench Warfare podcast, Brandon Thorne, the most knowledgeable offensive line guy that I know. Uh, we will talk to him next about free agent offensive linemen, what's left on the table for the Vikings after several of these linemen have stayed with their teams. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. We'll be right back. It's Bracket Month on Score North. We'll unveil a new bracket and social media vote every week all month. Follow it and vote. Bracket Month on Score North and scorenorth.com. We're pinning our ears back. Scorenorth.com. Welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. We are breaking down everything off-season Vikings, including what you really want to hear about, the offensive line. And I say that with no sarcasm. We, not this time you're not saying it was sarcasm. Even on the afternoon show, we have a buzzer. If I, I know, talk, I was about to say yes, you're about to put it on. If I talk too much about <laughs> other subjects that don't involve the offensive line, I get buzzed. So we welcome in my favorite offensive line analyst, Brandon Thorne. He hosts the Trench Warfare podcast. And I can tell you, I've listened to every episode. He's got interviews with TJ Lang and Joe Staley and uh, Frank Rag. Now, really, really awesome insight into what it's like to live life as an offensive lineman. And uh, we welcome Brandon Thorne to the show. How are you, Brandon? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. So uh, we've been looking up and down the free agent lists, looking for guys that might fit with the Vikings. Two of them who you suggested for the Vikings, Mark Lewinsky and Mike Person, have re-signed with their teams. This morning, Donovan Smith re-signs with his, his team. What is left for the Vikings now, Brandon, on the free agent market for the Vikings to look at? 
Yeah, so I think you have to really look at the interior, specifically a guard. And there is a guy like Roger Saffold out there, although he's going to be probably really expensive. So I don't know how realistic that's going to be. Aside from him, I, I really think re-signing Nick Easton would be a smart move to bring him back as competition at guard and then look to the probably to the draft, honestly, and look at a guard there because free agency right now, it's, it's getting thin quickly, especially if you want to talk about a, a, a scheme-dependent guy or a guy that really fits into that outside zone uh, the scheme that you guys are going to be running. So I think the draft is probably the best bet. And coming out of the combine, we heard a ton, just a ton of buzz about, you know, potential prospects. Jonah Williams' name to me, I think is the most intriguing. And just hearing his interview about um, not wanting to move inside at Alabama, I guess that was a conversation. Really, how much, you know, that came to fruition, not much. I mean, the, the thing was he was supposed to move to center, didn't happen. But now he's projected, I think, just because of his length. Maybe he's a little bit short. If he's there at 18, what do the Vikings get? in a guy like Jonah Williams, because I mean, I don't think he will be there at 18 personally, but is this the right type of fit where you're, you know, they've, they've kind of had this trend recently where they've either moved guys in on their own or they've drafted them and moved them out of position. Do you think that that would be the right fit if they are, as you said, able to bring back Easton at left guard and then potentially plug this guy in at right guard? Oh, yeah. I mean, if Jonah Williams is there, I think he should stay a left tackle. But I, I honestly, I think he could play at any position on the offensive line and do it at a high level just because his technique is so refined at tackle. And he does things well that you need at guard, such as hand usage, his anchor is strong, things like that. I think he has plenty of strength to do that as well. So even though I do stand for him as a left tackle, I don't see any issue at all with him making that transition inside and if he's there at 18 I I think that would be an absolute steal I don't see that happening because even though his arm length is a little bit low you know it's not that 34 benchmark that teams seem to like there's plenty of examples of guys with 33 and change arm length that are succeeding at a very high level in the NFL right now I mean Jake Matthews Ryan Ramsick Let's see Mitchell Schwartz, David Bakhtiari, Joe Staley, Dwayne Brown, Jason Peters. I mean, there's so many guys that are under 34. So I, I think he actually had a really good measurement for, for him in terms of arm length. I think it's going to be long enough to um, quell some of those concerns at tackle for, for a lot of teams. But, but yeah, ultimately, if, if Minnesota can get Jonah Williams out of this draft and, and put him at guard, that would be great. And honestly, I think he's better left tackle day one than Riley Reef. So, um, yeah, I don't even know if he would move inside, but 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 again, if you're drafting him and you want to just fill holes, then yeah, that that would be phenomenal. I think. What would make him fall? That's that's the conversation that I'm I'm curious about because I I don't, as I said, I don't think he'll be there at 18, just given some of the projections yeah. that we've seen. But if he does fall out of the top 10, is it length? Is it because I mean, if this is a guy who's got 43 starts at left tackle at Alabama and someone that if you trust the tape and you trust what you're seeing, he can play multiple spots in the offensive line. What would make him possibly available? And if you know if he's at, if he's there at 14 or 15, I think if you're the Vikings, you have to consider trading up to get him. Yeah, I do totally agree with that last point. And as far as what would make him drop, I honestly don't know. I mean, you look at the Clemson tape last year when he was going against a really good edge rusher, he lost a couple reps and you could say 
that might have been because he let the guy get into his chest. But if you look at that one rep that he lost that everybody's talking about where he had to, where he got kind of knocked back, he's actually attempting to snatch that guy's arms off the, off the snap and really like club, club down on his arms. And he was just trying something new really on that rep and it just kind of backfired on him. If you look at the, his, his tape across his career, especially the last two years of left tackle because he played right as a freshman, he was phenomenal. He's, he has the best tape, I think, of the last two years of any guy that's come into the draft at left tackle. He doesn't have ideal measurements. So, you know, the average left tackle, I think, drafted in the top 10 since 2007 has really hit that 34 mark in terms of guys being drafted that high. So maybe he, because he's not such, he doesn't fit into the box that the NFL wants the top 10 tackles to fit in. That could be a reason, I guess, just from a physical standpoint. But if you look at tape and just his technique, he's so he's such a clean prospect in my mind. And then you look at all the off-the-field stuff, work ethic, football character, all that stuff is just really, really good. So, yeah, I, I think it's kind of odd how we've heard a lot of move to center talk. I think some of it might be somewhat smoke screens because maybe some teams do really like him and they're trying to send out signals that, Maybe he's not good enough or something like that to kind of deflate his stock a little bit. But in my mind, I think he's worthy of, of that top 10 talk. And, yeah, I, I think Minnesota, if he gets outside the top 10, a team like Minnesota would be smart to look up, to look to trade and get him. It is smokescreen season, by the way. Yeah. Um, Brandon Thorne joining us. He is the host of the Trench Warfare podcast in which he talks with uh, NFL offensive linemen. They break down their craft. It is extremely football, so uh, I highly suggest it. Well, but you know what's really cool, too, about the podcast? Before I ask you another question, I'll just give you a pub here, is that it's also the stories of a lot of guys who overcame things. I mean, uh, Joe Staley was not like a high draft pick or anything, and and was not the ideal size or weight, and he came out and has made a great career for himself. So uh, I love that you go through their stories and not just their past sets and things like that. But um, going back to Nick Easton, Brandon, he's an intriguing guy because he's coming off an injury and he is a free agent. The Vikings would know best what he does well and why he would fit in. What have you seen from his 2017 tape, and do you think that he would fit in to the type of zone system that they're going to run with Gary Kubiak? Yeah, so I think he's a really good fit into that scheme because what I've seen from him over the last couple years, specifically 2017, was he really excels running outside zone concepts and even inside zone concepts, working combo blocks with the center and climbing to the second level, taking really good angles out there so he doesn't overrun or undershoot guys. He, he does a good job fitting uh, smaller, more athletic guys in space, which is a, a big thing in outside zone schemes. He plays with really good competitive toughness on top of that. He, he's a, a guy, I think, who plays with the right mentality up front, and you could really, it really jumps off the film when you watch him, I think. He just hasn't obviously been able to put it together due to injuries and things like that, but He's young enough and cheap enough, I think, to where he's a really good option to see how he does in this scheme, the familiarity there with with uh, the, the, the line that's in Minnesota as well, I think is a plus. So, yeah, I, I think Easton is a guy that I'm really intrigued by, especially in this scheme. So I think his value is probably as high in Minnesota as it is anywhere else. So I'm sure you might have addressed this either with Matthew or, or any other 
offense. Somebody wants to talk about offensive line, but I know it's come up on our show for a while about Riley Reef, and you mentioned it. Uh, you know, potentially moving inside. Um, why would that work? Because when I try to wrap my brain around this, and somebody who hasn't played guard since he was in college, um, which was nearly a decade ago, why would that wor- move work to to put him inside at left guard? Does that not feel like you're still piecemealing the offensive line? You know, maybe you do move Nick Eason to right guard. Just I don't I don't know. It just seems that there's too many moving parts here. Why 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 would that work for Riley Reef? And I guess what's the what's the caveat to that? Yeah, so I think it would work just because I think the way that Reef has won when he has been at the top of his game in his career is with being strong at the point of attack, playing with really good toughness and physicality. I think his anchor is pretty good when he's able to be in position prior and he's obviously healthy. Those are areas that I think, you know, I think back to was the 2016 at right tackle with the Lions and even last year or two years ago with the Vikings, just when, when we've seen him do well, I think those are the areas that he wins at. And those are areas generally that you have to be strong at at guard as well. And so I, I think that he could make that transition and be solid there. Not, not saying, you know, he's going to be in consideration for the Pro Bowl or anything, but I think you could get by for another year or two uh, with that move. But again, I, I think you, you're right on with it being sort of a piecemeal type thing. And you don't, I mean, ideally, you don't want to do that. I think it can work, but ideally you probably keep him at left tackle another year and just try to fix up that interior on its own and then eventually look to replacing Reef with a true left tackle. I think that's probably the, the best way to go about things. Brandon, when I'm looking at the draft and free agency, center seems to be a position where there are some very good players. Matt Paradis and in the draft, Garrett Bradbury uh, took a lot of uh, people back, I think, with his athleticism and strength at the Combine. Would it make any sense for the Vikings to bring in a center and move Pat Elfline to guard, where he did play quite well at Ohio State? Or do you think that they should leave Elfline at center and kind of see how things work out with a better situation going into this year uh, rather than some of the things that he faced last year? I think you probably keep him at center. Ideally, you keep him at center and you draft a really a really good right guard and keep Easton a left guard. I think that interior would get me the most excited. It would be the least intrusive. I think you would have to do the, the least amount of changes up front in that scenario. And I think Bradbury could potentially play guard, although I like him more at center. Uh, a guy like Eric McCoy could play guard. I like him most at center. And then you even have a guy like um, Jenkins from Mississippi State who could play. He's played all four positions, or he's played four positions in college and he took snaps at left guard, which is the one position he hasn't played at the senior bowl. So that's a guy who's really intriguing because he has that positional versatility. But um, I see him probably predominantly as a center. So those those three guys jump out to me. And then other right guards, I mean, later in the draft, I think you have some options as well. Drew Samia is a guy I like a lot from Oklahoma. He, he's about 6'5", 300 pounds. He, I don't know if he necessarily tested great in, in Indianapolis, but when you watch him on film, I really like his tape. That's a potential option later on. And then there's a couple of those right tackles, like Cody Ford and Dalton Ryder, who could slide inside, in my opinion, and be very good there as well. Although I think you ideally, like Jonah Williams, keep them at their college position. Those are guys that are intriguing to me to, to play right guard as well. So 
I think that there's a lot of options in this draft, whether you're talking about the first round, day two, day three. I think you have a couple different ways to go about doing this. Hey, last thing for you, Brandon. Let's say that I told you Brian O'Neill made the Pro Bowl next year. How did that happen? How does he go from point A, where he is now, showing potential, great athleticism, to being a player who maximized that athleticism and became a above-average uh, to really good starter? What's the path there for Brian O'Neill? So I wouldn't be that surprised by that, honestly, because, you know, as you know, I, I liked him a lot coming out in the draft. But I think what he needs to do is get stronger at the point of attack, specifically in pass protection with his anchoring. That's the main issue I see with him. And it's not all just pure strength, although I think that's a significant part of it. I think that he has to get a lot better with his hands, specifically his hand placement, not getting too wide at the point of attack and letting guys into his chest. Because, I mean, if you're going to allow a, a guy who's converting speed to power off the edge get into your chest, it doesn't really matter how strong you are. It, that's a very difficult position to recover from and, and get, regain your balance and re-leverage yourself. So I think getting more accurate, um, getting his timing down with his hand strikes and the way he uses his hands so it's more accurate in the center of the, the, the rusher's frame, I think that'll go a long way to making him a better pass protector as well. But I think this scheme is a great fit for him. It's going to really accentuate his athleticism and play speed. So, I mean, I, I think it's uh, he's in a really good position right now to, to continue the trajectory that I really saw him being able to attain, like coming out of Pittsburgh. I really liked what he could be. So, But, yeah, he's really going to have to improve his, his strength and his hands and pass protection, I think, because we saw that last year. There's way too many times where he just got blown up by guys who aren't necessarily, like, that great either. So, he really needs to get better in that area. Football. Football, Brandon. Re-leverage himself. Oh, man. Man, that, I just, my brain's about to explode from was, all this football talk. I love it. Maybe the most football moment in the history of our show that is based around football. So, uh, <laughs> Brandon, awesome stuff. I, I love the podcast, and uh, your interviews are great with these NFL offensive linemen. Gives a ton of insight that we very, very rarely ever get. So, keep up the great work, and we will continue to bring you on the show and talk with you about uh, the Vikings offensive line, basically for the rest of time, I, I think. I think it's always going to be a at, thing at we least, talk about. At least until the draft. <laughs> All right, thanks, Brandon. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. Yep, there you go, Brandon Good Thorne. Stuff. The Trench Warfare Podcast. I feel like we were in the trenches with him. We just, were, just man. Talking. I like, was man. laying down my anchor and placing my hands and things. Not my footwork. Point of attack. You know, gosh, I was attacking. Wow. That was that, that was, was impressive. Great. That was, that was very awesome. impressive. Um, so there's uh, Josh Rosen might be available. And I think we need to talk about it for the Vikings. Let's do that when we come back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. You aren't into Minnesota sports. Talk to the Mitten. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. They fake a handoff to Edmonds. Rosen looking down the field. And his pass is going to be caught for the touchdown by Chad Williams. Purple Daily Show here on Score North. If you missed any of the show, go to your iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and search Score North Vikings, or you can go to our website, scorenorth.com. I also have a long feature there on Mike Zimmer as well, if you want to check that out. 
And uh, there's also an article about Josh Rosen because there's the rumors are hot and heavy now that Arizona will draft Kyler Murray number one and trade Josh Rosen. And Peter King says all that will cost is a third round pick. I'm not surprised by the third round pick comp whatsoever. Were we not talking about this like three weeks ago when, you know, when Cliff Kingsbury came out and said, hey, Josh is our quarterback. But, you know, all I just, yep. gosh, like that's the easiest it's the easiest thing to do for the Giants. Why don't they just do that? It would make so I, much oh, sense. Oh, that makes too much sense. Yeah, it would make so much sense if they were, if the price is only a third-round pick. But if other teams feel like they don't want to bring in somebody like that who could threaten their starter or they want to draft somebody else in this draft, as far as the Vikings go, they know who their quarterback is for 2019 and 2020, and they do not know beyond that. Mm-hmm. They also do not have a backup quarterback currently. and Not currently, but... If there's any place where you would say... It's great to have a quality backup quarterback. It is in Minnesota because of how many times backup quarterbacks have come in and led the team to uh, success. It would kind of kill two birds with one stone. It would give you a possible successor, but a lot of time to be around the guy to see if he can be the successor. And in the two years, in 2019, 2020, he would be a very high-quality backup quarterback for Kirk Cousins. I think it is a win-win for them to trade a third-round pick for him. I think you need the first and second to fill needs right away. And then beyond that, you're always looking at project-type players that are down the road. I understand. And and to clarify a few things here, as we've talked about, so Kirk Cousins isn't going anywhere. No, I know that, like, the men... I'm looking at some of my mentions right now. Just, I think there was some article of mine that was tweeted out. Just... Uh, there's no there's a no trade clause, so it's not like he's going anywhere. So bringing Josh Rosen in doesn't, if that was a possibility, if that is something that's on the table, that's not. It's neither here nor there. But let's let's start with one thing first. Trevor Simeon, Gary Kubiak drafted Trevor Simeon. He really liked mm-hmm. him, and he worked well under him that one year that he it was 2016. He was like what eight and eight, yep. like. There is something to be said about... Nine and seven, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Like, there is something to be said. Number one, it's he has the same agent as Kirk Cousins. So, the, and, and that deal was pieced together before Cousins even signed here. So, I mean, if you want to talk about a package or anything like that, that's still in play. But I, I think that there's, you know, people writing off Trevor Simeon as he's already gone. I mean, Gary Kubiak's going to have quite a big say here in terms of personnel, in terms of how this roster is is structured offensively. So, I wouldn't write him out completely. So there's that. Now with Josh Rosen, I know that you really liked him and you thought, you know, off the bat last year that he was going to be a top 10 pick. Yeah. So now, I mean, you have somebody who isn't was an NFL starter this year on a very bad team. And if you bring him in here and if Kirk gets hurt, if Kirk gets just has a horrible outing, you have somebody that you probably trust more than a Trevor Simeon to go in there because we saw Trevor Simeon in one preseason game last year and it was not good. Um, but for me, I think that that's a very safe option. If it's only a third round pick for a first round talent, why wouldn't you? But do they really have the draft capital to do it when they have so many other needs? That's what comes into question for me. When you get to the third round, there is one position I think you can fill a need and only one defensive tackle. I was thinking thinking running back because running backs have so little value in the draft that Mm -hmm. 
your Elvin Kamara's, Kareem Hunt's sometimes end up in the third round and you can get someone really good. But aside from that, day one starters, I mean, how often do you see a defensive lineman come in and be a major contributor in his no. first year Pat Elfline as, did a, it. as a third rounder? Yeah, Elfline. That, but that was an anomaly. It's a good like, example. And Daniil Hunter became sure. a star in the third round. The majority, though... And, and this team has moved third-round picks all the time. They included a third-round pick in the deal for Sam Bradford. Yeah, and, and they and they traded away their third-rounder last year. So they have had, or was it, what did they trade it for last year? Maybe I got it wrong that they didn't include it. I thought it was included in the Bradford deal. The Bradford, no, they, they traded out of the third round last year because that's where they could have gotten oh, the they, tight end that yeah, I wanted. They moved back, right? Yes, they moved back. Okay. So they, they lost their third round pick last year. But you're right. They do not, they don't mind. That's a round that they've been very flexible with, in, including in deals and, and moving out of that round in years past. And I understand Josh Rosen did not play very well. He had a 26 QBR. That's your ESPN stat. Mm-hmm. You know what Jared Goff's QBR was his first year? 18 out of 100. His regular quarterback rating was 63.6, Jared Goff's was. It, for Mitch Trubisky, it was 77. For um, Carson Wentz, it was 79. Most of the quarterbacks who come into bad situations as rookies do not play all that well. And when you go through the history of starting quarterbacks, there are some who step in and play really well right away. But many, many don't. So the, the book is hardly written on Josh Rosen. And the worst case scenario here for me, trading away a third round pick for a potential future quarterback, is that you get him in and he's not all that great and you just, you're just you not sold on him in the preseason and training camp over the next two years and you trade him away for maybe a third or fourth round pick. And, and that's like your worst case scenario. And then you have to draft someone else. Or your other worst case scenario is you don't need him because Kirk Cousins played great and you signed him to a long term contract extension. All of it's, these outcomes are good. Yeah, it's not there. There's no bad way to spin it in that regard. But I think some of the pause that people have in, in, in maybe some of the pushback on this on this idea is just the fact that there's so many other needs. But right. but backup quarterback is one that you really, especially this team, in especially you know since 2014 when Mike Zimmer got here, that's a need that they've needed to address. Um, the Vikings got lucky last year that they didn't have to find out what happens, you know, if Kirk Cousins goes down um, to what they have within their depth arsenal. But it is something now that should 100% concern you. Um, and and going forward, I mean, too. When would Kirk Cousins sign this contract extension? So you have to wonder, factor that in. Does it come before this? Does it come? I don't think it comes this off season. But you know, if you after have, next after off-season, next off season, yeah. so it'd be going in, into the twenty twenty season. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think you'd want to have a little bit. If he has a, you know, if you don't have a backup option in mind by then, you're in trouble. So now it's like, okay, you get somebody in, and if you really like him, then if this year doesn't go as planned, then you know what you have to do. Looking at last year's third round, I count 10 players who were regular starters, and some of these were not good. Like um, Baltimore got a steal with Orlando Brown. That was your guy last year, and you called that one. He turned out to be a good regular starter for them. But like Mason Cole started, but was really, really bad for Arizona. And usually you don't want to start these guys, which doesn't mean that you shouldn't draft third rounders. Fred Warner, the linebacker from the 49ers, turned out to be a really, really good player. And so did Justin Reed from Houston. Mm-hmm. Still, you're talking about a couple of percentage chance that your third rounder becomes Daniil Hunter with a much higher chance that Josh Rosen becomes your long-term quarterback. If that's the price, then 
I see a lot of reason for the Vikings to make that deal. But also, there's a lot of other teams with aging quarterbacks who it would make sense for. And especially, you mentioned the Giants. It makes so much sense for them to trade for Josh Rosen. Yeah, that's right. Washington literally right now has no quarterback. And they need a quarterback with a low contract. Yeah. That's the other part of it is that Josh Rosen does not cost a whole lot. He would probably not cost much more per year than to bring in a veteran backup like Tyrod Taylor. And so you kind of have a backup quarterback for now and then someone to develop and you see where it goes. And if Kirk Cousins wins 12 games two years in a row, then this was never a conversation that happened. Then then you just (laughs) then you just Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy, you just spin him to the next team. You just trade him away. And the Patriots have done this a few times. They traded away Ryan Mallett. They traded away Jacoby Brissett. So if you don't need him, trade him away for another asset another year and then move forward like that. I, I see very little downside to the idea, except for is it a realistic possibility? Only less so because so many teams it would make sense for. Yeah. And and someone will probably step up and say, okay, we'll give you a second round pick to have him. I, I think there's a few teams that have multiple second round picks. They... Everyone should do it. Even teams that think they have their quarterback. Even if you drafted Sam Darnold or Josh Allen, like you should do it because you don't know. And the quarterback position is so far more valuable than anything else. Every team should want more quarterbacks that could potentially be their guy if they're not 100% certain. I mean, Arizona should probably even, I mean, no, it's not likely. And I, I know I don't it would, think it's a bad idea. It's not to the keep worst him. thing to keep him around. I mean, might be the worst in terms of chemistry, but. Having another body in there to compete in camp, I don't think it's the worst thing. I don't think having Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen compete for that spot would be a bad thing. But if they're going to do it, then, um, okay, we'll take advantage of it and possibly get your your long-term guy. Now, I, I do get this tweet all the time, too, from people. Just uh, Patrick tweeting in about... Wanting to move Cousins now. What did Patrick say? Uh, just, that, just that wishing he could move on from Cousins now to bring in Josh Rosen at this point oh, to be the I starter. See Listening today, why are you talking about extending Cousins in the Rosen talk? I wish we could dump him now. Well, because that's that's going to be the conversation next offseason. Because it is realistic. Yes. It is realistic. And I understand people are down on Kirk Cousins, and I think that you have a lot of reason to feel that way and I also think some mm-hmm. people at TCO Performance Center maybe a lot of people are disappointed at what they saw in the first year that doesn't mean he can't potentially go 12 and 4 next year and then they would sign him to a contract extension I think if they if they have a great season and they win the north and they win a playoff game or go to the championship game Kirk Cousins is probably going to be your quarterback for a long time even if they're 9 and 7 I would imagine, and they just get into the playoffs. All that matters. What did what did Rick Spielman say last week at the combine? That he kind of actually good, made a good point. Hmm. Probably appeased some people in this fan base. That yeah, he had great stats, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day when you don't make it into the playoffs. All you need to do is make it in and win one game. That is a successful season for the Minnesota Vikings. So regardless of whether people like him, don't like him, I if if they cross that threshold next year with Kirk Cousins, he's here. Beyond 2020, in my opinion. I think that too. Uh, now, that might change if they traded for Josh Rosen. That then, yes. then the threshold would become different. But right now, it's a really interesting question of how much would it take next year? How many wins? Because I don't think that the yards and touchdowns no. matter to anyone. And not, not, be, not if it's translating to an 8-7-1 season. Especially not with this head coach. And not, not the guy who looked far beyond what Teddy Bridgewater did in the fantasy football stat sheet and mostly to did he lead 
Did he win? Did mm-hmm. he make big plays at big times? That's what Zimmer was focused on with Teddy Bridgewater. And I would imagine that he looks at Cousins last season like, who cares about 4,000 yards? They don't pay head coaches on 4,000 yards. They pay them on the wins. So next year, what is it? What is that standard? I think that's an interesting question that we can continue talking about. Manny also has his list of eight or nine things to run through when we come back. You are in the process of writing about how the Vikings could replace Anthony Barr. So let's get to this Kirk Cousins question when we come back. And then we've got our list of Anthony Barr. It is full off season time here on Purple Daily. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday. And as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.